Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Steve, I have to, uh, not to isolate anyone here, but I'd like that you, I haven't seen many other people do it, especially in synchromysticism, because maybe the time investment is too much, but being a person that grew up on video games, you're one of the few people that incorporates them or brings them up from time to time. So, like, have you played Metal Gear Solid before? <laughs> no, I, I don't think have I've you, played that one. Well, okay, then I won't bring that up. But what what is, like, the pinnacle of a video game in synchromysticism for you? Has there been one in particular that really struck you? Uh, probably the Assassin's Creed franchise and that whole thing. Yeah, that's and, highly uh, uh, conspiratorial. I think... Well, yeah, I mean, it was like... It was it was about like Templaric like time travel through DNA signatures and like that was yeah that was one of the most um, how could that if a kid plays that how could that not resonate with them on some really weird criminal you know primal level in their subconscious so yeah that one really hit home yeah and the last one I played of that was I don't know I'm free it was either the second one or the third one and at the end you break into the Vatican and you confront the Pope in this hidden chamber. Sure. Whoa, yeah. really? Well, you find these little pieces of Eden is what they're called. And they're the, you piece this small uh, puzzle together. I don't want to give any way, too many um, uh, cookies away. But they're, they basically realize that the, the picture that they're painting from all these time travel missions and like trying to recreate those pieces of Adam is, is from a future culture and trying to prevent a calamity that like, you know, ancient gods or aliens told them about would happen. But they, they hid all this information around all of these Templar Garden and Freemasonic organizations much earlier than Freemasonry, but that that was the the premise, and that 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 just struck a chord with me. Of course, it would. Well, you know? that would explain the fucking uh, the markers, right? So they actually like marked land off here long before 1492, wasn't that? You know, you, you probably know about that, right? There's like mm-hmm. these big stone with the si- Templar signature in them that like predate all of that shit. Like basically. It, it's as much proof as you need almost mm. for this all being well known, you know. Well, it, uh, doesn't that bring it back to like, a, you know, the, the subconscious indoctrination of like, you mean 1492, Columbus sells ocean, blah, 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 blah. If you tell right. that to a kid enough times, you're not going to like the, your uh, programming model of when America was formed is going to disregard the fact that Vikings landed in Nova Scotia like a thousand years before stuff like that you just won't think of that as a kid so I just think that if we were more honest at a younger age with our children about the fact that we don't know uh, we don't have a certain knowing about a lot of these things and that we'd be able to grow up less conditioned and more open-minded about a lot of stuff you know Mm -hmm. I hear that you're gonna be great dad (laughs) (laughs) oh man I know (laughs) been hearing it how come everybody might? How come all my friends are getting married and having kids now? Is that the, is that a thirties thing? In the mid thirties. It's a little rough, yeah. Well, I'm I'm getting married uh, November fifteenth in uh, Palm Springs at, at Melody's. I guess we're doing it at Melody's grandfather's house. We're in the backyard because her dad is uh his his health is not so great, and then um. I'm stoked because that, the honeymoon is Vietnam. We're going to Vietnam for 40 days. No and, shit. Uh, 
yeah, I'm really excited about it. I think that's part of the, I mean, I, I like the reason why I love her so much is she gets me to go do these kind of like, um, things that I would never think to do for myself, you know, like these kind of adventures, these really long adventures to like know a culture and immerse yourself in a culture that's so alien to you. I guess I wouldn't do that on my own as a Gemini, be more introverted, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have a partner that pushes you like that. Totally. Totally awesome. Well, congratulations. That's that's pretty big news. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, guys. So does that mean that we're not going to get as many videos and projects coming out here? Because you're all, like, immersed in the fucking lovey-dovey. <laughs> like, <laughs> just kidding. Not, you do you'll, like, you'll, you'll, get, you'll, you'll get some videos. You'll get all something in there. <laughs> you'll get all, all, all your stuff. sync videos are going <laughs> to... All your, all your sync videos are going to be romantic comedy mashups. <laughs> I won't lie. I, I, there's a lot of different things that I do, that, you know, video editing wise, have nothing to do with synchronicity. Like I, I've been making videos um, with something called ASMR. You guys know what that is? No. Have you ever heard of ASMR? No, it sounds pretty hip though. What is it? It's, it's just um, it, it. I have a binaural audio mic that's shaped like ears. Mm. You know what I, it, and. Uh, so you would get like the sensation of somebody talking your left ear or right ear that they were walking around. You get this like kind of 3D image with it. And so I've been doing stuff, um, um, basically that are, that are meant for sleep and relaxation and trance and hypnosis and stuff. But I'm working with people that use the, um, you know, VR technology, like the Oculus Rift. Mm. So you, you get the 3D sound and then you get the, we finally got to the point where VR equipment's getting, it's get, it's getting good enough where it's very believable. Um, Ezra and I went to this, um, it was like a, a really nerdy, like, uh, computer programmer, like show off thing where they they only had 48 hours to create a game or whatever. And one of the guys there had an Oculus Rift and they got to try it. And, um, his program was really simple. Like I was inside of a white cube. There was like nine sigils on each wall and that that's even below you. So if you look down, there's like nine sigils at your feet. And every one that you touch interacts and says a different message or sentence and stuff. And you're supposed to figure out the synchronicities between which glyphs you touch. So I realized that if you can mix that with uh, binaural audio technology, that you can get a really immersive thing. And I guess I've been spending a lot more time doing that lately than doing sync videos, obviously. But I, it's not it's something that I still want to do. I mean, I will still do sync videos. I just I'm very fascinated with this has been taking up a lot of my time. Hmm. I just read this book on like neuroplasticity and they were talking a, a small section was devoted to sort of like um, how your brain wires itself when subjected to certain kinds of electromagnetic noise or electromagnetic stimulation at, um, you know, these imprinting stages, whether still in the womb or just briefly out of it. And, uh, and it's amazing how music or just beats or whatever can synchronize with the human body and the human brain to reorganize neurons and basically change our entire filtering system. Um, so as part of like that program of, I guess, remaking ourselves or shielding ourselves from uh, usual indoctrination techniques, I find it like a really fascinating tool. And that's been obviously a part of your work for a while. And I was just revisiting some of your synchromusicology videos uh, this week. And it's all, I guess it's all part of that, right? So it's, yeah, it's definitely it's all integrated with that whole that whole thing. And, and Ezra definitely wants to make more, so we will. Um, he, he he's coming over, I guess, next week to start working on a series that's related to his new book. So that's that's all going to happen too. 
So is like Adam Smith's power of mind, is that still applicable now? Or is, have we like moved so far beyond that, that, that type of research is just, do you know what I'm talking about? Surprise it. Cause Adam I don't know Smith? the content of that particular book. Oh no, he just, he's, he's looking at brain waves and all kinds of, he runs all kinds of experiments and stuff. I, I found them really interesting, but then I, I wondered that if maybe since the time of that book, if there's been more of a strain on like what's even permitted in those realms and like, if it's like we were like allowed to have some higher degree of research in, in those areas. And then it was like, kind of like halted a bit or no, what. I mean, brainwave research is still pretty up there, especially like electrical stimulation. So, right. Well, there, a lot of this was incorporating different, uh, psychoactive substances and stuff. Oh, and okay. We're doing that kind of more transpersonal psychology type experimentation stuff. I think as far as like psychiatry and like uh, being able to learn and map out the, elect- the electrical brain and, 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 and what exactly exhibits and can change a brain pattern from depressed uh, to, to happy and all those things, we're going to really make some breakthroughs in the next couple of years in that, maybe next decade. But the, the, that it can be analyzed and it can be adjusted. And uh, there's going to be a whole market of synthetic drugs that are going to have a lot less side effects than the ones that are in the market now. I think that we're learning a lot about it. Like, you know, my, my father is a psychiatry uh, or a psychiatrist and, um, I grew up in that kind of like world. And back then when he was teaching me about it, like many of them, uh, weren't the best things you could put in your body. A lot of the time that just made you dependent on something else. But I think through unlocking like the genome and, unlo- and learning more about our DNA and how our brain works is an electrical mechanism that the drugs that are going to come out in the next 10 years are going to have a lot more benefits and less less uh, horrible side effects for sure. They even um, I just read this really cool um, post about a, 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 a something that's going to make LASIK obsolete. It's like this. Oh, yeah. It's like this little implant that you can put in your eye that's kind of like Bioware or whatever that will make you be able to see three times twenty twenty. I don't even know what that is exactly, but oh shit, that's where things are headed. There you go. Yeah. So like little you know taking taking technology and and how how can you tweak a human being and uh, and enhance their senses without making them feel like they're less of a bioorganism. That, that's where I think it's headed, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. I am a little scared how, you know, we we advance, but then it's always, well, how is it going to be turned against us, I guess? So in one sense, like, it could be just a McLuhan type of thing where there's really no one in control and these things are put out of the new sphere or the, the social field and they help move us towards something better or it's just a self-organizing thing so no matter who tries to control it or use it against humanity it's not going to really work like david you bring up like lsd often in that context where mk ultra tried to use it as an a weapon uh but it ultimately was more of like a liberating thing um so in that sense it's like maybe there's nothing to be afraid of in that regard well i just keep coming to how flimsy everything is like there's like the rituals are half revealed, half concealed, right? And like there's such a, um, it's just they're really like they're just really poorly put together. It seems like the mega rituals are very sloppy, and ultimately, like that going into JFK, going into nine eleven, going into the Boston bombing, Sandy Hook, like these things, like it feels like they're just fucking like cookie cutter, like they're just very flimsy. Uh, do you guys get that? <laughs> well, sure. Um, Michael Schott and I have talked a number of times. I mean, you know, um, the Millennium Hilton Hotel, the thing that like 
Oh, I actually want to. Oh, I actually want to drop something in here about this. But uh, so right, you have that that building that's literally next to the World Trade Center that you want to touch, Steve. That which you want to put on your monkey suit and go touch this building down next right. to the World Trade Center. They spelled Millennium wrong. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> just like Abracadabra and the fucking Beatles. <laughs> right. It's like when you talk about the sloppiness or the seeming sloppiness. Yeah, I to- totally dig that. It's like what what the fuck did you just do there? Uh, some gematria uh, shit that you, I haven't figured out. Po- po- possibly, sure. But you, uh, can I just um, it, it, this is probably a, a bizarre tangent, but was last always record we were talking about like uh, Planet of the Apes, right? Mm-hmm. All right, <clears throat> uh, David, you made a point about the Mark Wahlberg Planet of the Apes came out in two thousand one. And you mm-hmm. said, well, of course, it's the, the timing of it, right? But something about, like, I've been through this rabbit hole a number of times, but something just, like, really, really hit me. Mm-hmm. That, okay. Was, was it released before before 9-11 or after? Um, let's find out. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Planet of the Apes 2001. Mark Wahlberg, Helen Bottom Carter... Oh, blah, 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 blah. IMDb. Let's see. Release date July twenty seventh, two thousand one. So yeah, before. There you go. Okay, and Helen Bonham Carter was in Fight Club, and they had that whole building right. destruction sure. scene. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange Project time in my Mayhem. Life. Yep. Yeah. Fuck yeah. With the spirit, okay. yeah, the whole deal. Yeah, it's all there. Oh, that's my beeper, guys. Don't worry about that. The hell. Oh, you also traveled back in time? Because I was going to go into some time travel <laughs> no, shit. You, now you got a beeper you know, again? Do you know what that was? You can call people and send people money on Facebook now. What the hell is going on? I don't want to get calls on Facebook. Like, it's so fucking weird, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Bullshit. Um, Sorry. I, well, they, well, that's okay. They want to they, they get some of that PayPal money. I mean, it pay, you know, taking a... PayPal just used the recipe from like superman three or some shit taking a few <laughs> pennies out of every transaction and now the motherfucker is going into outer space you know facebook's like we want yep. some of that shit we want dude, some spe- of that space travel money dude speaking of superman there's some interesting stuff going on like lately that they just released that documentary with nick cage where they were well, not not with nick cage but they were going to make a movie called superman lives where tim burton uh-huh have you ever heard that's of also that? Tim, that's also Tim Burton. Yeah. So Planet of the Apes 2001 was Tim Burton. Yeah, I know exactly. The, exactly. the, the new documentary is like, who killed Superman lives? Yeah. The, un, the untold. It's like some really long name. Yeah. But basically, who killed Superman lives? <laughs> exactly. Right. And in a cage, like named what his youngest son, Khalil or some shit like that after a Superman character. I don't know. Yeah, Jor- Jor-El, one of those. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's the whole point is because, I mean, I was just, I just posted and I was just watching. I just showed my friend fucking Patrick's video on the Beatles and Superman. If uh-huh. you guys ha- haven't seen it, it's like, I really recommend it. I mean, he did it a while ago, but it's so fucking good. It's all, we'll, we'll all be magic Superman, magic with a K. Um, and he was looking at, you know, the, the director of, what is it? A Hard Day's Night, Help, uh, How I Won the War with, uh, John Lennon and, uh, basically also directed superman two and three and so you have this really weird connection like with the song also of the original superman you know not Mm -hmm. the original original but the fucking christopher reeves there's two reeves right the first superman was reeves and the second Mm -hmm. superman was reeves anyways uh that is the same notes in the song so 
dun, 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 dun. It's the same as Zuspeg Zarathustra from 2001. Dun, 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 dun. They're like, you know, yeah. I mean, we've gone into this before on the show about, especially Superman 2 with the monolith and stuff as a prison uh, and relating that to like Super Tramp's Crime of the Century and stuff and how weird it is that Breakfast in America has the mirror image with the 9-11 coming out of the two towers with the fucking orange juice. Hello, trading places, you know. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, it's just it's really strange. <laughs> no man, the, the, the Superman stuff is super insane, and especially the way the direction they're going with it right now. They're doing the new, new one with Ben Affleck, where uh, you know it's Batman versus Superman. An alien descends from the sky, and he's got way too much power. He could he could eliminate the human race if he wants to. So in order to combat that, that's where the Justice League story starts, you know. So right. So there the, seems to be something going on with fucking the dead Superman, the Doomsday Superman thing, and yeah, uh, funeral for a friend. I don't know if, yeah, that, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but that was like the most profound comic book I ever read. Like, I love that. The whole Doomsday Saga, they made so much money with that. They like, they packaged in these like secret, like, you know, I guess they were like white envelopes. They just made it look really occult and mysterious. And that was like one of the most powerful Superman stories. And he doesn't die. He like just comes back in like different incarnations of himself, you know? Resurrects. It's the fucking, there's so much 9-11 shit with that. It's crazy. And then what really got me, I've talked about it on the show before, but it really got me was, uh, you know, I do this whole thing with um, uh, the Motown film, The Wiz. You know, and you know, in the Wiz. The roof, yeah, they want the rooftop uh, shot the where the guy's wearing the Superman shirt, and, that whole and thing. So, yeah, and so what? And the, in The Wiz, correct? Someone's wearing a Superman shirt in the Wiz. Uh, you're thinking fire. of uh, you're thinking of um, the Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh uh, yeah, thank you, thank you, Alan. Yeah. Oh uh, okay. Sorry uh, about that. Um, no, whatever. I mean, you know, the you, Jake Coates used to point it out a lot because you got Emerald City is the two towers, and they do the, they encircle the sphere, and it's very ritualistic. Um, <clears throat> totally. If you wanted an argument for the sphere between the towers being symbolic of the Kaaba Mecca, you have it with the Wiz. You know, mm-hmm. it's just so strange, like. You know, but uh, where I'm going with this is that I I play the Wiz with Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Um, I have that available on my uh, Google Plus thing now. I've re-uploaded it. But uh, when the album goes back around, uh, the first song on the album is Funeral for a Friend, Love Lies Bleeding in My hand, uh, Hands. If you want to see something really trippy, uh, it's fucking that. But then I thought it was so weird because we have this whole thing going on with like Doomsday and Superman as the Ubermesh. It's 2001, you know, this is the overman, you know, that's the whole point. But then that it happens to be, there's like this funeral for a friend connection. And like, they're all patriotic, right? Like, that's their whole deal. Like, they're, the, they're America. Sure. The Justice League, right? And then Superman's a solar deity. He's like an Atonist. He gets all his power from our sun. So. Right. Well, that's the thing. That's why in action comics, the most, it's like the most, uh, I think it's worth more money than like any comic ever, right? It's like. Superman throwing the fucking Volkswagen Beetle, but the Volkswagen Beetle is a symbol of the sun. He's got a yellow fucking Beetle. And you have Vav 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 666 for the VW symbol, you know, obviously. We've gone into that for days, but um, yeah. That's, like, that's great, David. I, I like that a lot. I mean, people know that. when the, Generally, superficially, like when people look at the Superman throwing that Volkswagen Beetle, they see it as him throwing the Nazis. Because they're like, oh, there's a German car. And then you look at the, t- the context of the time, and then that makes all the sense in the world. But there's a whole other level to it as, like, two suns in the sunset or whatever. And he's crushing the fake sun, you know? Sure. Uh, that reminds me. I mean, have you seen the – do you guys familiar with um, – Steve, I know you're familiar with uh, Chris Knowles. Um, 
I'm trying never, to find never it. heard of him. Who's he? Who's Chris? Uh, <laughs> Uh, his in his God's Wear spandex. Are you familiar with the image for his Superman? Oh, boom! Found it. Uh, I'm gonna drop it right here. Um, boom! So you could just Google our our God's Wear spandex Superman, and he makes the point <coughs> that uh, Superman is a, a a Jewish sort of messianic figure, and it literally has uh, instead of this S solar symbol, it has a menorah and the Star of David on his chest smashing the Volkswagen. Look at that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great image. Those two Jews from mm-hmm. Chicago, is that right? The guys who came up with Superman? I don't know that. I've never, I, I, don't, know the, I don't know the etymology or, of Superman. Yeah. I, I don't know who started it. Yeah, those two Jewish men, yeah. Oh. So, oh. Who, who made this picture? This uh, Superman picture? Uh, Joseph Michael Linzer, he's a comic book artist, like, he's like an actual legit comic artist that uh, Chris Knowles has a working friendship relationship with and got him to do some illustrations for the book. That's great. <coughs> Those two emblems, you know, the symbol on Superman's chest, the Star David and the, and the Volkswagen logo are super powerful, both of them. They have mm-hmm. so much history, you know? Sure. So many different connotations. Yeah. And is there a 42 in the license plate there I'm seeing? Yeah. It's like 742. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got, you yeah. got the, um, scarab, right? It's generally, even though we'd say the sun, cause I would equate the Vav 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 with the 666 Babylonian sun square. But then, like, beyond that, like the scarab put in the sun, the scarab pushes the sun, right? That's the idea. So you have, like, the moon and the sun or whatever. So, yeah, right, there's definitely right. something going on there. Yeah, it's really trippy. All right, so can I can I uh, throw you something here? So this is what I wanted to say about uh, the 2001 Planet of the Apes, right? I just want to drop you a few bullet point synchronicities that like really blew up in my mind over the last week. So both of these movies, the original Planet of the Apes is what 1968. It's the same year as the groundbreaking for the World Trade Center. Yes. Yes. Also that year, like Planet of the Apes and 2001 A Space Odyssey are released months apart. Okay? Just a few months apart. And Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> Sorry, but that's not your sh- point. Sh- no, sure. But uh, well, I'm specifically going to talk about these two films for a minute. Mm-hmm. So 2001 A Space Odyssey actually has people wearing monkey costumes in the movie, right? For the Dawn of Man scene. Sure. Planet of the Apes has people in monkey costumes. Both shoot scenes of a spaceship crashing over um, Lake Powell in Utah. They both use the exact same uh, uh, landscape, literally both shot at the same lake in Utah, Have both have the spaceship crashing over it um, as they're coming out of a Stargate, right? Um, there's a series of, like, really strong parallels between the two films, like, very, very specific little things. We've discussed this with uh, Mike Quellen, uh, and we've, and probably another, a number of other times. But point is, like, these movies are super tied in. They're at least months apart. Both have monkeys. Both have stargates. Both have spaceships crashing over Lake Powell. Blah, 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 right? right. Uh, Planet of the Apes is released actually the same day Martin Luther King is shot, which not many people talk about, but really, that's, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because that was that is an example of a proven CIA conspiracy because the family of King sued 
the C- the American government, right? It's like the one of the biggest fucking conspiracy cases or whatever. And they won. Sure. So the family, yeah, yeah, yeah. family won. So that's, you know, and people don't even know that. That's that's evidence. Yeah, I didn't know that. Itself. I didn't know that either, man. Yeah. Now, fucking hardly anybody knows that. But you can actually look at the, all the transcripts of the court. Sorry to interrupt out. <laughs> that's all right. So, um, OK, so we have these two movies come out 1968. The World Trade Center groundbreaking happens. Right. Then. Obviously, the movie 2001, A Space Odyssey, references 2001. It's like a specific year in the fucking title of the movie, right? Sure. So then we have the Millennium Hilton right next to the World Trade Center and that whole chain of stuff. But putting – like the idea that someone would say, hey, we need to remake Planet of the Apes in the year 2001 – Right. Right. So again, like acknowledging the pairing, the original 1968, like sort of correspondence of these two films saying like, we need to get a fucking movie out in 2001 to correspond to, to, to mark this time. To mark that time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What does another brick in the wall, bird? The, the, um, the the change has the spaceship. Well, we were talking about that he crashes at the end of the thing by the Lincoln Monument, right? And there's this whole time travel thing. What is that evidence of? That is a political coup, right? It's like some sort of weird, like basically saying, this is the history we know. This is the American government we know. Abraham Lincoln and all your apple pie bullshit, right? Right. You're literally depicting an overthrow of the American government in 2001, right? By putting the monkey in place of Abraham Lincoln, and now it's the planet of the apes, not the planet of the American sheeple. And, right. and doesn't Wahlberg and his monkey uh, go through the Stargate or wormhole in Saturn's orbit? correct is that true that is i uh that's what michael said and i believe him yeah i don't well there you go i mean that's just like you know that the hex gun on saturn just ties it back to superman's little emblem right there so that 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 plays into saturn and beyond the infinite in the book right yeah exactly so that's interesting so okay i'm sorry i i have to go in a direction here if you're gonna say this but it'll tie back i promise so i had this crazy trip out with a film called uh venus and furs and uh, Lady Gaga's album, Art Pop. And uh, there's a whole thing, and they, they incorporate the two towers and all this stuff. But I just noticed the other day that around the same time, well, so seven days after Art Pop came out, Roman Polanski produced his own Venus and Fur. So, you know, Art Pop has Venus on the cover and all this stuff, you know. And it was weird because when I saw that, um, it tripped me out. That it was like, okay, the seven-day thing. Because I just was remembering that Rosemary's Baby was released seven days after Robert Kennedy was shot. And that Robert Kennedy had dinner with Polanski and Roman Tate the night before he died, right? Um, but then I was also thinking, well, uh, okay, so you know, you guys know about the crowned crystal monolith? I think I talked about it last time, but it's such a fucking trip. So the, the Queen of England unveiled 
a, a prop from 2001 A Space Odyssey that was never used, which is a clear monolith, and they put a crown into it. So they like, imprinted this crown. Have you guys ever seen this? No. When did, no. When did this happen? When did she so do that? In, no. in, on June 5th, 1968. So, um, so the Queen unveiled also it on June 5th, 1968. Okay. While the... Well, while the assassination had happened that same day, uh, what would happen later on June 5th, 1977, right? So, <clears throat> oh, no, 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 strike that, reverse it. I got this wrong. So, but I do know that they're the same day. So it's the, the crystal monolith wasn't until 77. What the assassination? Fucking assassination. Robert Kennedy. Robert Kennedy. Oh, okay. Was fucking shot. On the same, on the, the, uh, the anniversary of the unveiling of the fucking, oh no, the, I'm sorry, dude, this is hard to communicate. The fucking crystal monolith was unveiled on the anniversary of the assassination. Uh, but you have 1968 and 1977. So it was, it was unveiled in 1977. The fucking assassination happened in 1968, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I think, I think Robert Kennedy's 69, but go on. Uh, I don't, that's kind of <clears throat> crucial to the sink, but, uh, when was Robert Kennedy killed? Let's find that out. Sorry, June 6th, 1968. Yeah, June 6th, 1968. I'll be I right got... back, gentlemen. I'll get to just use the restroom. I'll be back. Okay. Sure. Okay. Well, I thought it was interesting that you have this 1968-1977 thing happening between something that's related to 2001 A Space Odyssey, which came out right at the same time as Rosemary's Baby, right? Thereabouts. And so, um, but then 1977 was when The Haunting of Julia came out, which for all intents and purposes is like the sequel to Rosemary's Baby, beyond like whatever happened to Rosemary's Baby, which happens to star Patty Duke from fucking Valley of the Dolls, you know. Um, but yeah, it's just full circle is David Bowman and Mia Farrow, right? Or, and uh, Rosemary, right? So you have Cure Delay, Rosemary, 1977. But the thing is that fucking drives the whole thing home is that the release dates for Full Circle, uh, It went, the film went around the world in releasing in one place after another, but it started, its first release was on September 11th, 1977, and it went uh, until September 11th, 1981. And so Full Circle literally starts with a September 11th and ends with a September 11th. Uh, I've talked about that before here, but in regard to like relating that to the fucking crystal uh monolith uh i don't know it really tripped me out <laughs> that's crazy and i've documented so many 77s in the jfk assassination that it's kind of absurd actually so to have the yeah. 77 connected to the killing of his brother is pretty uh fascinating actually right yeah i'm surprised that's not even something so yeah, I'm surprised you haven't gotten that before. So, okay, so I'm, I can, I, the, okay, so the Silver Jubilee Crystal Crown was sculpted on this site by Arthur Fleischman, K-C-S-G-F-R-B-S-M-D, who pioneered carving in, in, uh, perspex. The block measures 10-9 by 5-9 by 8, uh, thick, uh, <clears throat> weighs 2 tons. It is the largest solid block of acrylic in the world. It was originally made in 1968 for Stanley Kubrick's film, 2001 A Space Odyssey, but was rejected by the director in favor of the now-famous Black Basalt monolith. 
Her Majesty the Queen unveiled the sculpture on June 5th, 1977. Pretty weird. I caught the tail end of that. That sounded insanely bizarre. They were going (laughs) to use it, and then Kubrick rejected it? Yeah, and that that it's the largest solid block of acrylic in the world. What the fuck? Yeah. And it's like the thing is that I get from it <clears throat> is that it almost seems like it's just there for fucking symbolic purposes. Like I want, I wonder the validity of like if that was even meant to like be in the film. Like, is this just for this <laughs> kind of deal? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just, I the thing is, I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, it's just well, funny. and the th- the thought forms of when you think of the Queen of England and everything that stirs with that. I mean, Jesus, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, because I mean, these, these monkeys uh, contacted by this higher intelligence, and then <laughs> the whole Nephilim, uh, you know, royal family uh, myths. You know, it's pretty connected there. What the fuck, right? Some people still are oblivious that there's dynastic monarchies, you know, families that run America. They think that that's not coincidental. You know, that's just strange to me. I mean, it's strange that no one even thinks that it's weird that we still, like, put the royal family on tables yeah. and shit. Like, we even celebrate them as anything. Like, yeah. Even as figureheads. Right. What, what is going on there? Just as a symbolic gesture, we should be like, fuck you. All the money you have is illegitimate. Fuck you. I know. It's <laughs> like, if, if I hung out with, like, David and he was just, like, wearing, like, you know, the, 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 the fanciest, like, designer clothes ever, and he had a crown and, like, slippers and stuff. Like, you got to turn that down, bro. What's up with that? It's, <laughs> it's just, it's, I mean, by itself, is it's strange. And then, yeah, when you when you deconstruct, it's like, oh, they actually do have these, you know, so so many of, so many political decisions boil down nowadays to, like, social connections. And so to say that the monarchy or anybody wouldn't have any power anymore is so fallacious because these people are part of cliques that we don't even know exist. They're taking their cues from their social group. We are not their social group. We are not their, (laughs) we are, (laughs) I don't know. There's this disconnect. I think people want to believe that, okay, these people are our public servants and that uh, everything is going according to how it's laid out in the constitution, whatever the fuck that is and so on and so forth. But right. And then, of course, the tops of like the biggest multinational corporations are sort of like a new economic aristocracy, even though they don't wear the same accoutrement. They're still, as far as like power goes, it's the same thing. We're living under a neo-feudal type system, and no one even gets it. We want to pretend it's okay. Because, I don't know, it's like the technology is sort of, as much as I want, I, I side with McLuhan that technology is not necessarily a bad thing, that it is actually creating sort of this sort of like neo-pagan sense of the world a holistic neural mapping at the same time it's distracting as fuck well i mean the vatican's always seemed pretty paganistic to me in the way that they just dress in the way that that whole you know micro state works and it's like you know the three heads of the same snake or whatever you have the vatican as the religious branch you have the church of England or the bank of england that's the financial branch and you have the pentagon that's like this literal kind of satanic military branch and they all kind of work together in, in congruence, you know? And what's hilarious is the Vatican is built on a former temple for Mithra, who was the forerunner to Christ. Who's this you know, it's but of course the Christian apologetics people will just say, well, of course Satan put Mithra in the historical record to trick us, or he put um Osiris in the record or Horus to trick us, you know. 
It's a right, satanic right. trick. <laughs> but the so it's especially ironic that that's even there. And of course, like Vatica is a hallucinogenic wine. So we're built on Vatican Hill, which is just a nod to that all religions are built on psychedelic communion and revelation, whether it's purely subjective and hallucinatory and there's nothing to it, or it actually is connecting us to the universe as we want to understand it as sort of a sentient being. I don't know, but all these hints are there. It's like hidden. It is hidden in plain sight. This is, this is why I, you know, I was giving a hard time before about, or, you know, playing devil's advocate with David, which is a fun game to play with you, David. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um but you know it's like i was uh I, I will you know forever be a conspiracy theorist slash conspiracy realist because of these simple facts that like it is fucking undeniable how goddamn controlled you know when we talk about six media companies political dynasties the, the fact that you could have a fucking clinton and a bush running for president <laughs> Right now, with conspiracy right. culture as popular as it is, and, you know, it shows that it's not even making a fucking scratch because the average person walking down the street is like, ah, Republican stole my health care. And then the other guy is like, ah, Democrat stole my, you know, Jesus sticker or whatever. I don't know. They whatever the fuck jobs. Um, yeah, you know. Whatever. This came up kind of recently with uh, stuff I do with rents. I, I talked to this guy who... um who lived in little, grew up in Little Rock and knew the Clintons or knew Bill, I guess. But you know, he talked to he talked to Hillary. He's, he's basically friends with Bill, and um, uh, Bill like loathed her from the very beginning. Even after they like first got married, like it was just apparent. He would just go to her events and be supportive because they were like this power couple, this unit, kind of like um. You guys ever see House of Cards? Have you ever watched that TV show, House of Cards? I haven't seen it. With um, no, Kevin, Sp- Kevin Spacey. The, the premise is pretty basic, right? It's like even the, the arranged marriage of it's just for the sake of appearance. Right. I guess I brought that up because in the last season, they they it, they didn't even try to hide it. They were just trying to mimic and parody like politics and government, what's going on right now. They had a guy that looked like Putin. They had the whole like Ukraine co- you know conflict in there. And instead of Obama, it was Kevin Spacey. So um, mm-hmm. what I was going to say, though, is that um, – that there could be like a if a billion dollars literally literally run like a, a pile of money ran for president they probably win because one of the reasons that um Bill stayed with Hillary is because she was the Rodhams are connected with Capone and the Chicago Crime Syndicate and that's a lot where their money comes from um, they don't have quite as much money as the Bushes do but it becomes very dynastic when you when you do you just have like a Obama Bush you know Clinton Bush Bush Clinton Bush Clinton Obama Obama Bush Clinton like. People don't realize that's uh, that that is a powerful family bloodline situation. I don't know how that they don't still they don't realize that yet. You know, it's it's an enigma to me. Right. It's what's well, willful ignorance. It's comforting to think that that's not what's going. On. So people will believe whatever they want to believe. Right. So I, I was just looking here just to clarify. Uh, Robert Kennedy died on June 6th, but was shot uh, uh, 26 hours before, which was on June uh, June 5th, so uh, 1977. So, uh, I mean 1968, sorry. I keep yeah. jumping back and forth between the crowning of the Silver Jubilee thing um, and Kennedy. But yeah, it's fucking weird, huh? 
that connection. It's very strange. Okay. Have, <clears throat> on the on the Hill Clinton uh, tip of things, have any of you guys seen that YouTube video of? Uh, I think it's her participating in an award ceremony for Walter Cronkite uh, from the World Federalist Association. No. Um, it's really weird, man. Um, basically, it's like the World Federalist Association is this like apparently just very upfront world federal government movement, you know, and uh, they're talking about how this you know, global government is the future of humanity and how Walter Cronkite's work has helped. Uh, well, specifically he was doing some kind of, uh, genocide coverage and, you know, human rights work. So, um, they're celebrating that, but this, this idea of world government comes up as they're celebrating his, his journalism and, and stuff. And, uh, I think it's Cronkite who says himself at one point that, it's going to be difficult to like have people surrender their sovereignty as we work for this world government, you know? And he's like, he quotes like Alexander, Alexander Hamilton or something, uh, in relation to the colonies and how certain colonies had to give up their, the idea of their, you know, sovereignty for the, for the American vision. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're all just kind of talking about this world government thing that they're going to impose. And then like Hillary, right before she gets on to like congratulate him, uh, Cronkite says about another politician that this other politician thinks that we can't try to have a new world order. I think he says new world order, um, until the Messiah comes because surely any other attempt at a world government before the Messiah would be the work of the devil. And then Cronkite says, well, I'm glad to sit right here with you all at the right hand of the, of Satan. And then he introduces oh, Hillary, Hillary Clinton. Shit. <laughs> yeah, let's look. I want to look that. That's awesome. Oh, dude, it's, wow. it's such a, tr it looks like it's out of a like cyberpunk dystopian, you know, eighties movie. Like, so I tripped so and fell over Walter Cronkite's briefcase at an airport when I was a kid <laughs> and I was, my family we were running to catch a plane. And like he had, he was like, had the cameras and was doing this whole thing. And he had his, his briefcase, turned into the into the walkway and i was running with my parents and i just like fucking fell and he gave me a dirty look and i remember because <laughs> i remember the moment of like looking up at this old guy who's like got all these people around him you know and he gave me this like really like fuck you kind of look so I don't <laughs> did, know you, see his, did you see his snake eyes <laughs> no, I don't know why you give a dirty look to a kid for fucking falling over your briefcase. Like that was just like the sign of a very cold human being. You know I mean? Really? You've never been you've never been in a in a like a somewhere, you know, you're in the store and some screaming kid comes running down the aisle and knocks over your shit and you're like I wasn't screaming, you know. I, of course, I, I'm sure you were a very well behaved child, but yeah. uh-huh. Uh I, you know, listen, I'm not trying to sympathize with Cronkite's satanic You want to side with Cronkite on this one? That's your business. I'm just telling you what happened. <laughs> David, I'm just saying, I've I've met you, you know, and, uh, you know, you're a little okay. high energy. You, you might have, if you knocked over my briefcase, I might be a little upset. All right. Well, now I know what you would do for Cronkite Bar. <laughs> what if maybe his briefcase was like the briefcase from fear and loathing like maybe there was vials of lsd in there and yeah. you were smashing them and he was like, like what are you a fucking narcotic like agent? Briefcase from yeah 
Yeah, Cronkite was tripping balls, and he's like, this little fucking kid's <laughs> trying to narc on me in the middle of the fucking security, airport security. That That's my favorite version of the story, that Cronkite was tripping balls, and he, like, saw David and was like, whoa, this is a younger version of myself, and he's acting like a dick, and he knocked over my suitcase. <laughs> I hadn't seen that one of Cronkite, right. but I saw a more conservative one of him being awarded shit at the Council of Foreign Relations, which is tying back into the Anglo-American establishment. That is one of their, of course, lineage institutions. It still influences all kinds of It's like Babel. It's like Babel, right? That, the structure. Tower Babel. Yeah. Isn't the structure modeled oh, after the, yeah. like, um, Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking weird. Right. Yeah, if you if you just Google like Walter Cronkite and Satan, I think it'll come up that video. Nat <laughs> <laughs> naturally, you know. And what's yeah, well cool or interesting or sick, depending on how you think. But um Cecil Rose of the Rhodes Scholarship fame, you know, all these like I mean he was what he left his entire fortune to the perpetuation of the Anglo American establishment. It was like in his will or his last will and testament or something. And this goes down to that whole premise of well you buy scholarships to like even the the best the lower classes so that the lower classes will never have the leadership necessary to right. pull themselves out of their destitution and ignorance so obama right like he obviously he wasn't i don't i don't know what his bloodlines are there's all kinds of speculations right but i tell oh, you, oh yeah no we know we know what his bloodlines are to a degree no. Yeah, we do. I mean, we know that we we can go through. What is it? With every president was related to that one yeah. king, except for two. I'm sure. You, I'm sure you know about this, Will. I mean, think about where the information's coming. That's yes. I mean, I, I think it's all air. But as far as that goes, it's just to finish my point. It's like, well, so let's just say that he was from like lower social class and brought him up, and now he's one of them. And it's like we would never benefit from leadership or something. Who is it? It was the the one from. Uh, when Robin Hood was supposed to be based on, right? So, like, uh, what is, uh, who was the king at the time who was, like, off at the Crusades? King John. No, Richard, right? Was it Richard? Okay, because I think that every president except for two has been proven to be blood-related to that king. You never heard that? No, I've I've heard genealogical ties, right? But what what that's is the one? Is, I mean, that's like you're taking what one or two people that's saying I'm an authority. These things, I feel like I need some sort of statistic. No, oh, I mean this has been shown by like a, a a whole bunch of different people over time. I mean, this is something that crops up again and again independently from people. Maybe uh, what are the sources that they keep? No, I just I I I, like, I I I saw that there was like a, a young girl who had done a presentation on it in school, and her grandfather helped her or whatever. And I got curious when I read that article, and I was like, that can't be the only time that fucking somebody put that together. And yeah, I found like several, I found a few independent sources from different places that they came to the same deal. Well, I know that. Uh, well, at least I I believe that like the Bushes were descended from like William of Orange for these sorts of characters. So. I think that a lot of these are, have been tracked and so on and so forth. So Obama, I just, uh, anyway, I, I don't want to dwell on that because that's not what I was getting. But I, the point is, your point's taken and I'm not like completely disagreeing with you. Um, I just think that a lot of like political noise has been generated on Obama, like the birthers and these sorts of people, and they're not dependable at all. And that just creates like 
I don't know, people pick that up as like it's reliable. Like look what Red Ice does. They just take feeds from fucking these conservative corporatist outlets and pretend that it's news in the same way like the cons- the conspiracy crowd is susceptible to the same thing. It's like, oh, are the corporatist Republicans telling you what you want to hear? Are we going to pick that up as real, genuine, historical reporting? I think that's nonsense. Uh-huh. So I think we have to be careful and discerning and know exactly where it's coming from. So it's like, yeah, a number of people have done it, but are they just keep drawing on each other, just reinforcing the same feedback loop? I don't know. Yeah, from what I was gathering, it seemed like no. Um, it seemed like they were actually, because you can do genealogy stuff, and the presidents are easier to do that with than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. This was like, you know, standard genealogy maneuvers, and they, they all happened except for like two or whatever. They all related to, I think it's King Richard. I don't know. Hmm. Fucking okay. weird. <laughs> I don't know. What's great about that we're doing a radio show is that like I can say this shit and I'd be happy to take it back if I get proven otherwise, you know, but it's like if people are in a position where they can, if I say something or anyone says something, they can fucking look it up. That's the you know, age we're living in. Then they can kind of decipher what the source is and whatever, you know, but I mean, all I'm talking from is a place where I actually like bothered to try and figure something out to whatever degree I was capable, which isn't the highest degree, admittedly, you know. Um, but internet's challenging in that way. This gets back to the first point of the conversation we had. It's like, well, what can we know about the cosmos, or what can we know about this or not? And we're just groping and trying what we can, and piecing these sort of narratives together as best we can. And as long as you're trying to maintain a certain level of integrity and not indulging whatever you want to believe versus what is reality or whatever reality is these it's just <laughs> it's a mind fuck for sure and but i mean the the long term it's just like it, it goes back to like how are we to get back to cronkite and stuff and it's just these these figures and uh what game they're actually playing or who they're actually beholden to and even like the hillary insignia for president right it's just the twin towers with a fucking plane running through it i mean whatever spin master came up with that symbol is clearly playing on people's like fears and anxieties oh about the- no fucking way i'm sorry i just happened to be looking up the original source of my uh thing bef- before i look at other examples but it was this 12 year old girl who came up who basically was like okay except for martin van buren uh they're all related to the same guy but she went to my fucking high school so like, or actually my, uh, my junior high. So, um, Monta Vista Christian school in Watsonville, California, the girl who did that, we happened to have gone, I got expelled from there. Uh, but she, the girl who popularized this idea recently again, um, she went to the same school I went to. I'm just realizing this now. It just kind of tripped me out of all the schools. I'm referencing it and she, ha- we <laughs> happened to have gone no, to Yeah. <laughs> so yeah I can, I can send this to you um, but yeah no, this in and of itself spoke volumes uh, but then it was um, after the fact that I was like okay what the fuck I'm, try, I'm trying to send a link here so Steve yes sir you still there yes I am I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking at the genealogy of like all the presidents I've been on it right now like um King John of England, like, and all these original presidents were like the best thing they brought to the United States was masonry, like George Washington. And when I was just thinking about how how psychedelic it was, so when you 
I think uh, Obama stopped the tours uh, last year or something like that. My uh, Mel was actually trying to get the job to to repair the White House carpet, and she almost did. So um, I, I was really stoked because I would have been able to see the whole dome and the apotheosis of George Washington, which is like, you know, a man becoming a god. And it, it all this stuff just makes me think of what America was founded on and how uh, the principles of like an Atlantean civilization, uh, uh, America being that new Atlantis, uh, the whole idea was to like get this whole country to the point of being able to accept some kind of deification or re- reunification with the deity. What would that take? It would take somebody that was that we would deify, you know what I mean? Like like a Christ like figure, a leader, a president in that in that respect. I wonder if that was the original goal and that's the end plan as well, you know? Yeah. But you asked I mean, you, uh, you, you 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 go ahead with your question. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Oh no no no. I mean I, I, I like that. I mean uh that's a fascinating sort of rabbit hole. I think um see I can't get around the idea that I know we've we've we discussed this and all right, here here's a question for you guys. I'm trying to sort of there's dialectics in a divisive form, you know, that sometimes dialectics are promoted as a way of bring making everything into black and white. You know, um, it's it's really simple. Are you a Republican? You Democrat? You know, uh, uh, Steve, I've heard you talk many times being trapped in dualistic thinking and trying to escape dualistic thinking. Right. Sure. sure. But um, and so maybe I'm trapped in it, but I, I can't help but see that, like, Every symbol, particularly the symbols that we talk about, uh, or, or that are, that are used publicly, each symbol seems to embody its opposite within it, right? Um, and by that I would mean, uh, okay, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, modern example, Confederate flag. Is it a symbol of oppression or a symbol of, rebellion from the oppression right you rebelling from the uh northern empire blah 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 or you is it the oppression of uh the the races right mm-hmm. um uh we have like I, I was making jokes for the last year about um kyle hunt saying he used to do the rainbow alphabet and then he flipped over to be hmm. about white supremacy and i said you look at like even the cover of the Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Mood. It's your classic prism example. On one side you have the rainbow, on one side you have the pure white, right? But mm-hmm. then even now we see this story of like, okay, is, you know, we have, uh, but, you know, gay, gay marriage, uh, con- you know, controversy slash, you know, celebrations up at odds with Confederate flag controversy slash celebration. You see what I'm saying? So like this, again, it's the, is it, this uh the the white orthodoxy or the the rainbow um you know the the sort of uh new new sheriff in town that the rainbow sheriff so are are they sort of uh holding in each other their sort of potential in potential their opposite right now these are just using um modern examples or like uh, news item examples but we could see this in um Right. I was just reading an article from Chris Knowles. Um, you know, he's talking about Pluto as the symbol of death and how NASA is so death obsessed and blah, blah, blah. And I, the whole time I was reading the article, I couldn't help but wonder, like, why is no one mentioning? And I mean, it was a fantastic article. 
I don't want to take away from it, saying, um, no, I didn't see any mention of the fact that Pluto, the actual etymology, the actual meaning of the word Pluto is riches and wealth. So it's not mm-hmm. like, you know, desolation and death. It's, it's richness and wealth. Um, so Pluto is the aspect of Hades that, that is the god of, of, of financial success. So to have this at the same time, like while the Greek economy is in the news, to have us flying by Pluto, you know, seems part right. of the same ritual, right? Um, right. Hades gonna uh, hate. <laughs> I like that. Oh, well, um, a lot of the articles that have been focusing on the the Pluto pictures recently, they focus on the heart image. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that doesn't really – you don't really relate that with death too much when you see a heart. You're like, oh, Pluto, it's a planet again. We love you. And like maybe that does correspond mm-hmm. with like sort of like the, the different memes that are going on with the Confederate flag and the, the rainbow flag as well. I mean so the symbol of death is being represented with love and acceptance. So that could be a tiny subconscious meme. I don't know if that's intentional or not, but it, you could see any kind of formation on a planet and think what you want from it, just like an ink blot. But people have been focusing on that. It's a heart. You've, you've certainly heard that, right? Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. I, and I, and I, I mean that's you're right. And even that, I can see. We could, you could tell me that what you just said is that people now looking at death with acceptance. Or if I wanted to spin that from a conspiratorial perspective, I would say, oh, the uh, NASA Masonic sorcerers are making you love death, right? <laughs> they're, they're, they're the death eaters and they want you to love it. You I, think know, you just love describe, I think you just described the, how you create a conspiracy. And it's, it's our, our minds right. can, can go there very quickly because it's the, the shortest distance between two points. Like, if we see something aesthetically and we're visual learners, that can trigger us at a very, very uh, uh, primal level. And that's how a conspiracy can get started because if you can get, you know, 100 people or 1,000 people to agree with you, then it's a, it's a thing. It's it's more than just aesthetics. It's like a combined consciousness act, uh, uh, an agreement. Right. It's the consensus that yeah. gives it its solidity, yeah. Sure. So maybe that's what that's what the basis of most conspiracies are is like – how could this not mean something? It's it's perfectly obvious. That's a heart, you know? Some weird space dust on a planet that we're not even sure is a planet that's out there somewhere is a heart. Right. Well, there's a, like this value thing in terms – everything is so doled down that it's like if something were that big, if something could affect that much in any in any example. I mean, I'm being vague because you can apply this everywhere. Something can't be that fucking big. Like something can't be that, you know, like – Everything yep. is like we're conditioned into live in a box, you know. Sure, and oh, yeah. you, you see some of the things that like Neil Armstrong or some of these astronauts that have been, you know, on the moon or close to the moon or whatever say now. Um, and when they when they say some really far out there shit, like like when he was talking about the uh, you know, the the moons of Mars or whatever, there being a monolith on Phobos, like. How does that work with the model that we have, like that the Earth is a globe and we have the system involved? And then there's this man who's been to the moon saying there's an object on a some fucking distant planet somewhere that has an artificial structure that's inexplainable. They like glaze over that in in, uh, in pop culture. Like so, just like, so oh yeah, that's Steve, very interesting. Mm, yeah, good. I got a I got a question for you in particular. <clears throat> you, do you know what that object? What the deal is? Like, so the the, the first picture we ever took from space. Or, you know, in space was like this structure that was like floating out there that we didn't know what the fuck it was. It's, it's like a geometrical figure. Do you know You're what I'm talking the, about? The first photograph we've ever taken of an, an outside that's object? What, no. That's what I heard, yeah. No, I don't know. 
Oh, okay. first photograph of what? This thing that's just like fucking been floating in space for fucking ever that we don't know what the fuck it is. Are you talking so about the black on, the black night satellite? Well, I mean, what the heck is that? What they call it? I mean, I don't know what they call it. I just Might be, yeah. I just know that that's like a real thing, supposedly. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll fill you guys in. There, there's a conspiracy called the Black Nine satellite. I'm not sure if that's what David is implying or not. It's the only object that uh, supposedly was a satellite that had a polar orbit, which is something really hard to do that we've only really been able to do since the late 80s, I guess. But this thing was supposedly out there for a lot longer than that. It had, an, it had a, And it's been photographed from the ISSS or whatever the fuck, you know, the space station. And it looks bizarre as hell, and it and it wraps around the north and southern pole, and um, they, they that was one of the first things that the military studied because they didn't know what it was or who, who put it out there. So right. it's a total it's a total conspiracy. The, the photos of it are bizarre as hell, but I mean that's all we have to go on it. Just right, we don't have hardly anything. Yeah, that's or anything at all, really. Right, right. So, uh, but the fact that there's like a geometrical straight lines thing in space that was there before we've ever been there. No, precisely, exactly. That we know of, that we're supposed yeah. to know. And so, yeah, that was a total mindfuck, yeah. It is, man. And the okay. tip of the iceberg with that stuff, man, there's so much of it. Hmm. Yeah. Tell us what it means, Steve. I know you, you got it. Well, Come that, on. What you- that's what I – can I Can I go back to my question real quick? I mean, it's it's a sort of – it's a totally rhetorical question. But um, so I'm trying to sort of make peace in my mind with – I understand the dangers of – of dialectics and the fact that they're they're sort of foisted upon us and yet i can't help but see sort of each symbol sort of uh containing a sort of um uh in potential duality and uh i'm sort of just curious to hear your thoughts on do you sort of still see a goal being uh a total release of dualistic thinking uh or is that just one of of many sort of filters through which to look at the world, you know. Well, I mean, philosophically, that's just like the the god with amnesia thing that we're dreaming within this larger organic being, and that the whole point of life is not happiness; it's to it's to achieve union with that, or union with the 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 place within ourselves where all of this would make sense again, and we don't have to choose between black and white and left and right. And like, I even see like some of the the press about black holes lately being uh, flipped around uh, into a more positive light that the centers are not a, an area of complete destruction where light cannot escape, that they're just, they're basically birthing factories like a womb of space and they just pump out more life other, other in other areas of the universe. That's becoming like a more accepted model. And a black hole is a good example because dualistically that's where all the laws of physics and science are broken at, at that point when we can't see beyond the event horizon the event horizon is achieving union because you're exiting a plane that has mortality, life and death and cycles. So maybe, maybe that's cyclical in a way, but you're exiting the cycle that you're in. And or, that, uh, or we're just going to find all our missing left socks. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. That, sir. That no, that happens a lot in my household, man. I don't know where all my socks are, but um, the, the, the mystery of that and trying to, um, uh, piece together are we are we like dreaming in this ultimate reality and we're just trying to find find the way back towards the peace of of union with everything is that is that the ultimate goal or is is it a simulation is it less organic that's what i struggle with sometimes like the gnostic theory of um arconic things taking you know 
nefarious routes and, and feeding off our energy and that kind of thing. And, uh, and, and there is no escape. Is it a closed system or an open system? And we started the, the radio show talking about like flat earth theory versus globe theory and stuff. So it, it definitely is in the minds of people of whether or not we are in a quarantine or if it's an open system. And that's a big difference. It's a big difference to, you know, conscious people on the planet, whether or not we have the ability to escape the construct that we're in, be it digital or organic or analog. You know, we, we don't know what it is exactly. And that's so that's one of the biggest. We don't even know if escape is the goal. Yeah, it, that's true, too, Alan. You're right. Dude, that's really fucking weird. I was just the way that you were ta- you were reminding me of what you'd said earlier about, like, what was it? The South Pole or whatever you're talking about, like. You know, they're long, not being complete you, pictures of yeah, the, this idea, uh-huh. the Truman Show thing of like don't don't go near the water, you know, like trying yeah. to freak people. Out. That's the fucking forbidden zone in Planet of the Apes. Yeah, and what's funny is that you could almost take a parallel of the forbidden zone and the the Stargate as moving to the projector. So like you know the idea that the um, the two dimensional like the monolith. You're relating to some, like the whole dimensionality thing, where it's like we're living within a dimension, and the whole point of thus spake Zarathustra and what constitutes the Ubermesh is moving into another set of dimensions, you sure. know, like we exist within the cube. And so, but basically like the touching of the screen moving beyond that, like we've gone into this, that was the basis of Joe's recent video, which was incredible, by the way. Um, I don't know if you guys saw if everybody saw that, but holy shit. Um, but yeah, I just, I could see that as like the forbidden zone of like, Oh, you, to, to go be Jupiter and beyond the infinite could be taken as the same thing. It's like, well, what's on the other side of that? Oh, your actual history, you know? Yeah. And, th- and there's a lot of, of, uh, of fear porn in movies and stuff that, um, would dissuade a lot of people from researching things like, a, like a Tesseract or, uh, you know, a hypercube, like Hellraiser, uh, Transformers, all these movies that like the government has to have complete lockdown over the cube because the cube holds all secrets and blah, blah, blah. And Hellraiser is literally opening gateways to hell where demons could torment you forever or whatever. Sure. Sure. It's related so to it, the Tefillin cube. Cause yeah. So I always Shadot get means demon or the shed part shade. Sure. I always get suspicious when the, the meme of those kinds of things like unlocking, uh, hyper dimensional cubes or like learning about if we were flatlanders learning about what that next dimension is, or if we were like Truman, learning how to get out of the fucking ocean and like get out of the dome or if we were like, dark city and we, you know, we're trapped by these like entities that were smart enough to encapsulate us and make us forget over and over again. But th- that's what I'm saying. It's like when I see that over and over again as a meme in all of our media, I-, I always wonder why they want people to be afraid of that in the same way you could look at the alien phenomenon and the Superman phenomenon and stuff. And mm-hmm. that, like, like I, like I mentioned before, now that the justice league story is going to start, it's going to be like, we shouldn't trust the aliens. Like, this guy's got a lot of power. We should get rid of the other. The, right. you know, as probably Kossi would say, being afraid of otherness, not accepting otherness. And like, you can get very Jungian psychology about that. But if it's literal, then that also has a lot of different connotations about where, where our species is heading, you know? Sure. If it's lateral too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> literal lateral. <laughs> yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, I, th- I mean, that's right. So, you know, if sort of the, the union of the opposites still acknowledges the opposites, right? Sure. Uh, just not in opposition, it's, right? If the yes, opposites yes. are in opposition, are they still opposites? Like it's, if the, yeah, if, if the yeah. conflict is contrast, yeah. are you, well, are you looking at a polarity or are you looking at a duality, right? 
And, and, and why do you think? The, said, yeah. And why do you think the image of Baphomet is so threatening to a lot of people? Not never mind their Christian upbringing, but he 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 embodies that that androgynous combining of both halves. You know, it's hard yeah. for people to accept. Why you gotta say he embodies? I did you're, say that, didn't I? You did say that. You're so fucking dualistic. <laughs> I'm so I'm so I'm so conditioned, is what I am. So I had this whole thing. Dude's got boobs. <laughs> Notice like um, He-Man and She-Ra and how you could take like He-Man as Hey-Man. Hey being like uh, the Hey is in Tetragrammaton or female, right? It's like female man, even though he's all muscular, fucking whatever, by the power of grade school. But you have She-Ra is a She-Male because Ra, you know, sun god, you know. Sure. I just, I don't know. I was thinking about that recently. You guys remember? You guys remember Thundercats? That showed the cartoon Thundercats. Absolutely. That was like one of the first indoctrinations of like atonism and like the the the, how Egypt has shaped cultures from its inception and how we still adopt all their policies. Like that, they that really got under my skin and like in my brain as a kid. Like Mumra and like summoning the power of the monoliths in the Egyptian pyramids to become like this overlord god. It was it was super powerful. Snarf, snarf. (laughs) <laughs> it's my favorite did you guys ever see captain eo in like disney world um, captain eo the michael jackson 3d movie? oh yeah i love that movie yeah yeah kevin's all over that oh yeah, that... yeah yeah. you made a movie about that movie right kevin you did uh yeah yeah i think in uh film a thin skinner membrane part like two or three um and then there's another one about michael jackson and the antikarana yeah, I mean that movie is so cabalistic and just like tripped out. I love it. It was totally and they and they had it at um, Epcot Center and I lived in Florida at the time, so it was like Disney World where they had the big uh, you know Buckmaster Fuller like geodesic dome where you'd go through and um it was uh you would basically trace humanity from you know our, our alleged history of like caveman to modern day in this gigantic sphere and Captain EO was like okay. right next door and the That's story awesome. of Captain EO is like this. I, I don't even – maybe you could do it better than justice than I can, Kevin. Can you explain Captain Neo a little bit? Oh, yeah. It, basically, it's like um, – it's so perfect. It's just like Michael Jackson is this dude who I guess like is kind of this intergalactic hero of sorts. And he's like flying around with this uh, – these uh, alien uh, animal creatures. And uh, the movie is actually made by like George Lucas and I think Francis Coppola too. Or I, I'm, I'm – at least Lucas, I'm certain of, but um, Michael Jackson flies into this planet because he uh, he understands that there's this dark queen keeping the the planet from having light and color. So uh, Michael Jackson well, just, and his just interject like that is she represented like don't go beyond duality. She was like the gatekeeper, kind of like a, in Ghostbusters. The same same kind of deal, the gatekeeper right, between right. getting to the singularity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the amazing thing is instead of defeating her, this is what in my video I found like pretty profound is um, it's basically Michael Jackson traveling up the middle pillar of the Tree of Life. Um, you know, if the Earth is a black uh, planet, you know, without the sun, you know. So it's kind of like Michael Jackson, it represents the light um, arriving on this dark planet ruled by this dark queen, like this feminine uh, goddess kind of uh, entity, this dark horrors of the anima you know in a Jungian kind of way and uh so yeah so he you know he meets the goddess and instead of destroying her killing her in the in the common like good versus bad duality sense 
he brings the light and transforms her into this beautiful high priestess. And if you follow the film with the tarot cards that line the middle pillar of the tree of life, um, you, you see Michael Jackson meet the dark queen. And if you look at the tarot card for Sagittarius, it's the, um, the art tarot card in the Thoth deck, which is this, uh, it's the goddess Diana with a black and white face. And she's, uh, working over a cauldron with a big rainbow behind her. And it says vitriol. And, but essentially the card is about, um, light splitting into duality. And, and that's what Sagittarius even has to do with too. Um, but so you see this tarot card on the middle pillar of the tree of life where you confront this black and white moon goddess Diana in Captain EO. Michael Jackson confronts the dark queen of the planet and it turns out it's Angelica Houston who plays the goddess Diana in another movie called the mists of Avalon. So, uh, it's like living Kabbalistic thought forms, like, you know, on the screen and, uh, uh, yeah. So instead of like defeating her in that dualistic sense, I thought it was beautiful. And like you pointed out, Steve, that it's, there's this unification that happens. Like he brings the planet to life and all of her clephotic, you know, demon, uh, servants are also all transformed into light, light beings too. And, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's like beautiful stuff. And, uh, Michael Jackson's wearing a rainbow t-shirt, which like, uh, you know, entrains with his whole career's connection to light and, and stuff like that and color. But, uh, but yeah, I'm sorry to go back to where you were taking that, Steve. I just, uh, no, man, that was, a, that, that was out. way better than I could describe it. That was awesome. I was, <laughs> I was just going to say that, like, you know, when I got a little older, I thought that, like, even though Michael Jackson was the hero of that story and transformed that world and, like, took the evil queen and transfer, transformed her into this beautiful goddess, that he was like a Luciferian figure in some ways. And I think that, like, a lot of these, like, secret society types, like, the way that they they view like messianic figures and saviors are like that. They're like the most unexpected, um, someone that you wouldn't uh, think that was going to come oh, yeah. through and, and bring the light. The rebel, yeah, right. the rebel, exactly. So it's like well, a flipping. Of, that's a flipping of polarities, right? Because we're we're taught to think that luciferic luciferic energies are are negative energies, but it's in that a total movie, flipping. It's yeah, a total right. flipping because, uh, I, sorry, I I had. I wonder how much I was, you know, people talk Disney brainwashing. I saw Captain EO as a child, promptly forgot all the fuck about it. You know, musical dancing, you know, people in rainbow outfits. I didn't fucking care. But when I wrote Look at All the Happy Creatures, the, the, the main villain is a woman named Diana who they have to transform into this, like, positive version of herself. It's exactly, you know, and, it's, and I was like, when I, when I, dude, I saw, Kevin, I saw your video after I wrote my book and I was like, Oh my God, did I fucking rewrite Captain E? Like, what the fuck did I do? Right. <laughs> but, but what I, I want to sort of stress here. And again, not, to, not for the sake of like having a, a, a horse in the race or a position I'm trying to push, but to say, uh, Steve, when you say, is it Luciferian? Is it, um, it's a flip of the polarity. I think it takes a certain hubris. Sometimes, you know, you, we made this joke about Walter Cronkite. I mean, he, in his mind, he's probably doing something good, right? They think, they don't think that they are destroying the world, that they are these evil empire. They think, hey, here's a fucked up situation. If only we could bring our light and our intellect and our reasoning to this scenario, we could improve it. And unfortunately, we have to bring our light to this dark world. Right. But meanwhile, us on the receiving end, we're like, yo, motherfuckers, hold up, you dark pieces of shit. We got the light. 
right? And we want to bring our light to their dark new world order or whatever. Well, precisely. And, it's, I mean, yeah. it's just justification of a smaller number of people trying to do something that they think will better the world and not giving anybody else a say or a choice in it. That could seem unfair when there's 7 billion people on the planet, 8 billion people on the planet. Absolutely. I, I yeah. But I guess I just, you know, even, I'm just saying even in the in the Captain EO story, like, you know, we, um, you know, so this, uh, you know, the Captain EO story obviously makes it more explicit and, you know, OK, she's she's definitely more evil and he's definitely less evil. But these are, again, still relative terms in that in, in that the, the, the hubris required to say we have the, the moment at which you think. I am going to transform this person into a better version of themselves implies that you know better. It's like when people get into relationships and they're like, yeah, okay, so he cheats on me and, you know, he he does whatever. But I'm going to make him, you know, it's the same idea, right? But well, it's it's the male no- version of that doing this with this sort of moon goddess going, well, okay, she's dark and she's about death and darkness, but, you know, we're actually going to transform her. We're going to put paint a heart on Pluto and be like, actually, this is all good. And there's one more aspect to that, Alan. You nailed it, but, like, there's just one more thing. It's it's sort of the Gollum philosophy in Lord of the Rings. It's like you're trying to remind somebody that is acting out what you would consider evil or what people would agree upon as, as evil and letting them know that they were not always like that, that they were not that being to begin with. And mm-hmm. they just have to revert and regress back to the time where that evil didn't exist, or at least get to the point where the river split, you know? Mm, I like that, yeah. Yeah, and I, I'd like to, I mean, I, I think I just want to throw out there, too, that in terms of, like, all this, the kind of uh, the balance that we've been focusing on, you know, talking about all these matters, is that, like, I really do assume and have seen that there is a lot of virtue in the Masonic vision of America, you know, and and these conspiracies, you know? Um, and I think it's, it's one of those things too, where we are coming full circle and the polarities are flipping and like, you know, even myself, like the more I studied Freemasonry, the more I looked at history, I realized like, Whoa, these are the the badass dudes that, that decided to try to change some things, you know, underneath the power of the monarchy and the church and the state. And, um, and they had a vision that they wanted to see made reality, you know, and they, so like, um, I guess that's the, something I want to point out is that I think, I think the, the big thing going on here is that that is like, there is virtue, there is vision, there is all this stuff at work, but then there's, there's also that side, like out of like, but you, you like you can't impose that vision, you know, and I think that's where the shadow, the shadow of the virtue uh, comes out in these groups, you know. Um, and so, like, as we're talking about all these different, you know, large masses of conspirators or, you know, group consciousnesses that are have concerted efforts on the planet, like, um, I'm sure some people really think they're doing the good and the right thing. You know, it's not as it's not quite as evil and nefarious as we might assume. But then there are those motherfuckers in the Pentagon gone and in the military and the you know the black dark corners of of shit that are like willing to do the the dark things and willing to embody that shadow of virtue you know so um i don't know i just felt like throwing that out there in the mix you know uh as far as like my perspective of of looking at these things you know for sure really well said i mean it's it's just a it's a tough thing to wrestle with so yeah it's awesome yeah no, I mean, that's, that's just it, right? So if you, you know, 
again, it's like uh, even Steve, you've mentioned Jason Horsey a few times. It's like I, I heard him when he was talking to Neil Kramer uh, saying like this. He's like, you know, I'm I'm trying not to be more moralistic, but it's it's hard sometimes. You know, it's, sometimes something just seems wrong. <laughs> you know, like bombing the fuck out of a. Uh, you know, dropping, flying drones over children and dropping bombs on them. That feels pretty easily, I'm pretty com- comfortable saying that is wrong. You know, but if well, I'm not, wrong, it's not ground for impeachment like a sex scandal should. You know, <laughs> but, <laughs> well, what was Kramer saying? Got Why did you bring up that particular interview, Alan? Oh, oh, just to say, so here's someone, because you said he's a guy who's trying to bring up union, but I'm saying. He, it was, you know, you could hear him sort of struggling with that, this idea where sometimes people will say there is no clear right or wrong. You know, uh, it's philosophical fucking sand trap, right? I mean, this is that's what, that we're dancing around. It's like if you say, you know, Jake, Jake Katzo can say it's all about joy. And I say, well, what about a fucking drone, you know, killing a child? And he says, well, this might lead to the, you know, this might, it's a sort of the God works in mysterious ways. This might lead to something in the good, you know, down the road, that there is an expression of joy even in that, you but know. The, equ- the uh, equation's balanced out somehow by that act, I guess. Right, or, you know, something like that. But, um, and then there's the, the this really strong part of me that's like, no, man, it's inexcusable, you know? So uh, just sort of seeing these people, people with smarter than I am, you know, your Jakes and your Jasons, sort of struggling with that. I just use that as an example to say this is it, – it's a really, really tough intellectual sand trap to dance around. Sure, um, and I don't think either of them would say they have a definitive handle on it. They, I think that just sure, in, embodying yeah. that helps them get closer to that. But they don't. Nobody has that knowing for sure. Like we have a knowing about a very few things. And that's not uh, one yeah, of them. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I, I just, I, I just wanted to commend Kevin. I appreciate you know, sort of. I think we're we're all kind of saying very similar things in the sense of you know, hoping for this sort of expression or or working towards it. And there's this sort of part of me that every now and then and just sort of says, you know, are we sometimes I think, you know, like what, what, what right do we have to make such a, some, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes I feel like what right do we have to make such a claim that, Oh, okay. um, We know better. And then there's another time that I go, Oh, no, 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 no. Like, fucking, this shit is clearly wrong. Like, you know, to say, when I say, like, there's the danger in thinking we're the light and they're the dark, uh, it's othering the other. I'm saying, and then there are times where, like, whether that's a trap or, or, or what, where I'm like, no, dropping bombs on children, uh, I'm okay calling that wrong. You know, if that's othering, fuck it, so be it. Right. <laughs> so, well, it, it, the, the more dissociative your personality is, the more that you're able to look at a bird's eye perspective and not feel as much emotion about that. But everybody's built differently. Like I'm super disassociative. Like I barely feel like I'm in my body. I barely feel like things are real half the time. So for me to get locked up on um, 
on political issues or things like that. It usually comes down to like, personally, I just don't like you and I want to just be devil's advocate. But the way that I view the world is very fucking amorphous. And it's always like, and I don't, I don't have too many things that I want to fight for. That's why I've never voted for anything in my life. And that's, it's, it's just my personality type. But I could tell like that bothers you, Alan. And I respect that, you know, and it, and it does show certain uh, variables in people that aren't, that aren't consistent. And I get that, you know, like you're standing up for one ideology, ideologically way of thinking about life and the universe and stuff, but you're not really embodying it in a way that's uh, fully real. Some of it seems synthetic, and I get that. Um, it's just hard for me because I just think of things very vaporously, like always fucking dreamlike, you know? Sure, so, yeah. So because you, you see a corollary implicit in one of the sides then does that feel like it negates the whole field or something no i just feel like when there are sides and when there's those things going on like even this conversation right now i think i mentioned this the last time i was on an interview it's like if time is a constant then no matter how much of it no matter how how much effort we put into consciously putting forward something the the dust of this conversation or this remnant of this conversation will eventually be erased forever so uh, the moving always, finger rights and having writ moves on yeah yeah exactly so All that's right. part that's part of evolving right is realizing everything that we do we do we have to let go of completely because it will be obliterated so i think about that i guess more than most people i sh- probably shouldn't it just, but there's just a dis- where do you draw the line between i mean i think uh, a healthier respect for impermanence is one thing but it's you know there's a distinction you'd make the distinction between that and a nihilism of like eh, what does it fucking matter it's yeah <laughs> I'm not, i don't i wouldn't say i'm a nihilist absolutely not yeah i so, yeah i hear what you're saying it's not, but you it's said not. you believe in nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I, just, uh, I heard you, motherfucker. <laughs> Got it on record. Thank you for listening to this broadcast from the SyncBook Radio. If you enjoyed this episode, there's so much more content waiting for you at thesyncbook.com. Tune in to our other SyncBook Radio programs, 42 Minutes, Always Record, The Marty Leeds Mathematical Radio Hour, Synchronize, Pentimental, and Sync Quick News. Our newest episodes are always free, and members get access to our full archive of over 600 hours. You'll find all of this, as well as our books and videos, at thesyncbook.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.